DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Praying the Liturgy of the Hours with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University and has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teaching about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher has numerous books published by the Crossroad Publishing Company on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and on the life of the Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, as well as Praying the Liturgy of the Hours, a personal journey. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series Living the Discerning Life and Finding God in All Things. Praying the Liturgy of the Hours with Father Timothy Gallagher, I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Gallagher. Thanks again, Chris. We've been discussing the beautiful Liturgy of the Hours, also known as the Divine Office. And for many who are familiar with the term, they're really not familiar with the structure, or they may be intimidated by it. Could you help us to understand its composition? Yes, I think it's time now for us to get a little more practical. What does it actually mean to pray the Liturgy of the Hours? What does one actually do? Well, the overall structure is that there are five times of prayer in the course of the day. We call them the five hours, but we call them the hours not because each takes an hour, obviously, but because they come at different hours of the day, at different times of the day, morning, midday, evening, night, and so on. So, to give them their names, there is morning prayer, which obviously would be the liturgical prayer at the start of the day. And depending on how one prays it, whether alone or with a group or sung or just recited, it might take some 10 to 12 minutes, something like that. Or even the, the shorter versions, as for example in Magnificat, might take five minutes. Um, then there's daytime prayer, which would probably take about five minutes. At some point, it's just a brief pause in the middle of the activity of the day to come back to liturgical prayer. And then evening prayer, probably something like eight to ten minutes if it's recited alone or without singing and the rest, as I mentioned. Night prayer might take three to four minutes. Um, and then there is the final hour or of these times of prayer, which is called the Office of Readings, which is not linked necessarily to a specific time of the day. Now, in the monasteries, they will generally generally pray this, maybe in the very early morning hours. Um, but it can be prayed at any time of day, and it's a little bit longer. It's the more meditative part of the Liturgy of the Hours. So again, you have Psalms, but then here you have two longer readings, longer you know, it might be a page and a half, let's say, from the scripture, and then maybe a page and a half or two from a church father. And these are very substantial readings, which are meant to be read slowly and to be uh, contemplated, actually, in some way. So if a person prays that hour of the Liturgy of the Hours, that might take 15 to 20 minutes. As we've been saying from the start, the church's invitation to lay men and women is to consider praying just some of these in the course of the day. Maybe morning prayer, maybe evening prayer, maybe night prayer. So I think it's important to say from the outset that we're not talking about a great deal of time, but we are talking about a very powerful and rich form of prayer, which can make a real difference 
in uh, our day. Now to get even more concrete, what I'd like to do is just take one of these and I'll take morning prayer and let's just go through what it might mean to pray that. And so I've taken morning prayer for today. So this is Monday of the fourth week. What the church did to help us pray through all of the Psalms without uh, overloading a day or a week is to break them up into a cycle of four weeks, which then repeats. So over the course of those four weeks, a person who prays the Liturgy of the Hours will pray most of the Psalms, almost all of the 150 of them. So today happens to be the Monday of the fourth week of this cycle. And so the person who is praying it would just start very simply with an invocation asking God's help. Oh God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Recognizing that prayer is God's gift, something primarily that God does. And so very humbly and simply at the beginning of the prayer, just asking for God's help to pray this well. And then the glory be, which tells us that the liturgy of the hours is primarily a prayer of praise. That That's the first thought as the day starts. Glory to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Father Gallagher, there's a real gift in that, isn't there? That for those who wake up, in the, to begin their day, they may have a disposition in their heart where they are feeling joyful or they see a beautiful sunrise. But there are also those who may wake up and they're maybe agitated or for whatever reason. But the church helps us then to put things in proper order just by even starting out this way. Yes, it's something that we can easily lose sight of. And I, I will speak of myself. You know, this was a discovery along the way in praying the Liturgy of the Hours, of the primacy of the prayer of praise. We'll say a little bit more about it later, but it basically is the heart's recognition that I am God's creature, the work of his loving and creating hands, and I am redeemed by the loving work of the Redeemer. That's constantly my situation. That's always who I am. And so just to recognize that, that's what praise really means, just to uh, recognize that that's who I am and the love that brought me into being and redeemed me, giving me the hope of eternal life, helping me every day. To acknowledge that, you can't do that without some uplift of heart, just to recognize that identity again. And God wants us to pray this prayer of praise, not because it changes something for him, but because when we praise God, something changes in us. A blessing comes into our hearts. So yes, the prayer starts there. And um, very purposefully, that's how we begin the day, with a, a prayer of praise. I think it's St. Augustine who says somewhere in his writings that we would not have known how to praise God. This is our primary duty, actually, our primary call in life. is just to recognize who we are in relationship with God and lift up our hearts in praise. We don't know how to do that. And God, knowing that, gave us the words. And that's what the Psalms are. And that's the, the heart, really, of the Liturgy of the Hours. Well, after that brief invocation of praise, then we have a hymn. Now, if we're praying the Liturgy of the Hours alone, we may just recite the hymn. Um, we actually could choose to sing it very simply. Today's hymn is, I Sing the Mighty Power of God. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise. 
Now, sometimes if I'm praying this on my own, I may choose to sing some of the verses of the hymn or just to recite it. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise. And actually, we have several choices uh, for the hymns. Now, what I'm looking at right now as we're going through this is the digital form of this. And this is from iBreviary, which is a lovely thing. It's a free mobile application that you can download or else um, use off your computer. So you can pray this from your smartphone, your tablet, your computer, um, in any setting. And they give a second option, which is one of these lovely hymns, in this case from the 6th century, perhaps written by St. Hilary of Poitiers. Uh, these early Latin hymns, which are translated now, and they're lovely because they reflect the hour of the day. So this particular hymn, now sometimes too, if I know the melody, and they're very simple melodies, I'll sing that, or sometimes just a single tone. O lavish giver of the light that bathes the world in dawning glow, the daylight cheers our hearts again when somber hours of night are past. It's just very simple like that. Or I may recite it. And then the second verse, You are the world's true morning star, compared with whom the eager gleam that heralds in the dawning day, the sun as it rises, is but a timid, narrow ray. This is a lovely thing. You know, actually the room where we are recording now um, and where I'm uh, residing at this particular time has a window from the fourth floor that looks east. And sometimes as I'm praying morning prayer, I'm praying it just as the sun is rising. You know, I open the uh, blinds on the window, and it's a beautiful thing to see. Uh, the church sees in the rising sun every morning the image of Christ, who is the light of the world. And these hymns beautifully express that, asking that that light, who is Christ, shine throughout the day, keep us pure, keep us holy, guide us close to God throughout the hours of the day. So there's the hymn, which can be simply recited or sung as we, as we feel moved. And then we move into the Psalms. And the first Psalm for this morning's prayer is a Psalm that is to be prayed in the morning hours. Usually the first Psalm in morning prayer is chosen because it has a reference to the morning. And this is Psalm 90. And the antiphon pulls out a line from the psalm, Each morning, Lord, you fill us with your kindness. So from the words of the psalm, In the morning, fill us with your love. We shall exalt and rejoice all our days. So this is the person who, as his or, day, or her day begins, prays from his heart, from her heart, that as this morning unfolds, fill us with your love. Fill this day as it begins with your love that we so much need. Give us joy to balance our affliction, and so on. It's a beautiful psalm. And then after that comes a, a canticle, because the psalms are not the only prayers in the Bible. There are other prayers throughout the Old and New Testament, and these are called canticles. And so in putting together the Liturgy of the Hours, the Church primarily gives us psalms, but it also gives us these other canticles, which are very much like the Psalms, but they're just found in other parts of the Bible. And this one is from Isaiah 42. Uh, that's the section in the book of Isaiah where, where God is speaking to the discouraged heart of his exiled people and saying, I'm coming. I'm going to set you free. We probably remember these texts from Advent where uh, so many of them are used. And so this becomes part of the morning prayer of the person who prays the Liturgy of the Hours on this day. Mm -hmm. 
We'll return to praying the Liturgy of the Hours with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. The Canticle of Zechariah Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his servant David. Through his holy prophets he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. The Magnificat My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
We now return to Praying the Liturgy of the Hours with Father Timothy Gallagher. In reciting the canticles and really bringing them into our hearts and getting to know their message, it kind of helps us, doesn't it, Father Gallagher, to learn how to or maybe begin to express our own canticles in life. I mean, we look at whether it's Isaiah or or it's Judith or whoever it may be, the great canticles that come from the Old Testament and the New Testament, by the way, it kind of helps us to fashion our own. Well, that's the purpose and function of the Word of God, amongst many other things. It is to teach us, to give us truth, but it's also to teach us how to pray. Um, you know, you think of it, Jesus said, this is how you are to pray, and he gave us words. He gave us the Our Father. We call that the Lord's Prayer. Well, these are Lord's Prayers, too. These are also God's words. And so as we pray these day by day and grow familiar with them, we learn how to pray. So you're absolutely right. And then we find that we have the words of ourselves when we need to express things to God, because we've been taught how to pray by the best of all teachers, God himself in his word. So the, the Psalms very much do that, and the canticles do that for us as well. Well, this particular um, canticle, as I mentioned, then deals with God's saving intervention in the life of his people. The Lord goes forth like a hero, like a warrior. He stirs up his ardor. Uh, he shouts out his battle cry, God coming strongly to the defense of his discouraged and humbled people. I will lead the blind on their journey, and etc. And then the uh, the final psalm is from Psalm 135, and generally in morning prayer, the final psalm is just a psalm of praise. It's just uh, simply um, praise of God. And in this particular psalm, it is Israel lifting up its heart in praise of God for the wonderful things that he's done for them, freeing them from the Egyptians, the firstborn of the Egyptians he smote, signs and wonders he worked against Pharaoh and his servants, nations and their greatness he struck, and so on. Uh, creating the space for us to have our own nation, the promised land. Now, as the church invites us to pray that, the psalm is preceded by a verse from the New Testament, which gives us um, the, the pattern of the entirety of the scripture. The Old Testament, with its richness, is fulfilled in Christ in the New. So the church will generally, when it has us pray the psalms, will generally point to its this particular psalm's fulfillment in the New Testament. And in this case, the verse that's quoted is from 1 Peter 2.9. He has won you. He has won you for himself. You must proclaim what he has done for you. He has called you out of darkness into his own wonderful light. So that as the Hebrews celebrate God's saving act, liberating them from oppression and bringing them into their promised land, in its fullness, this becomes our prayer of praise to God for setting us free from evil and sin and opening us, uh, calling us out of darkness and opening us for us the possibility of eternal life and joy in his kingdom. So that the Christian who prays this psalm today can pray it very much with the Israelites of the Old Testament, but with the awareness of the fullness of liberation that we have received in the Lord. After the Psalms, so those three Psalms would take, what, five minutes to pray, something like that. There is always a short reading, just usually just a couple of lines, just a couple of verses. 
And this morning's short reading is a, a beautiful text from Judith chapter 8, 25 through 27. Um, this text has come to mean a lot to me over the years. And this is something that happens as you pray the liturgy of the hours faithfully. It keeps building on itself. The texts become familiar and the meaning deepens. This is when Israel is terrified. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar has sent his general Holofernes with an overwhelming army to crush and kill and destroy the, um, the people of God. Their hearts are terrified and Judith now arises to defend them. And as she speaks to them, she, 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 makes, uh, she says this to the people, We should be grateful to the God our Lord for putting us to the test as he did our forefathers. Now, we can read this as this day begins. There may be various, various tests that lie ahead for me in the day. There may be various burdens on my heart. There may be various ways in which I feel oppressed and feel too weak to be able to withstand um, the burden. We should be grateful to God our Lord for putting us to the test as he did our forefathers. And she says, remember how he dealt with Abraham, the various tests that he went through, how he tried Isaac, all that happened to Jacob when he was tending the flocks of Laban, his mother's brother. And then she says, not for vengeance did the Lord put them in the crucible to try their hearts. And that's not why God is allowing these trials in my life this day. Nor has he done so for vengeance with us. It is by way of admonition. There's a learning and a growth that he chastises those who are close to him. And that reading has come to mean um, something special for me at times, because at times when I've read that, it speaks to very real things that I may be facing in the day. So the church wants the person who prays morning hour to go to the day with this awareness and this richness. God's love is and providence is at work in these trials. It's not for vengeance. It's not just a cruel, blind fate. There's a love of God that's at work in these, and he'll see us through, as he did through Judas, see his people through that trial. There's a brief responsory to that. Sing for joy, God's chosen ones. Give him the praise that is due. Seeing that, our hearts lift up. And the uh, church gives us words to express this. Then this is followed by the canticle of uh, Zechariah in the New Testament, which is a morning prayer. The birth of John the Baptist is the dawn of the saving work of God that's just beginning to come into the world. And so this is a prayer at dawn. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Finally, there are um, just a few intercessions. Because Christ hears and saves those who hope in him, let us pray. We praise you, Lord, we hope in you. It's the format we're familiar with from the prayer of the faithful at Mass. And in morning prayer, these are intercessions for God's help and grace and love and strength in the day that is beginning. With the Father, you, Lord Jesus, are always at work in the world. Make all things new through the power of your Holy Spirit. Make all things new through the Spirit as this day begins. Open our eyes and the eyes of our brothers to see your wonders this day. As we go through this day, give us eyes that are spiritually open so that we don't miss your love and your action in the day. Give us eyes that are open to see your wonders this day. Help us to live the day that way. You call us today to your service. Make us stewards of your many gifts. Help us as this day unfolds 
to use the many gifts and talents and possessions and time and health, all, all that you've given us, to use that at the service of others who will need a loving hand in the course of the day. This concludes, the invocations conclude with the their high point, which is the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. And then there's a final prayer that, um, something like the prayers we have at Mass, which concludes the, the morning prayer. So that's how we would pray morning prayer. And the other hours of the Liturgy of the Hours are quite similar. Evening prayer has basically the same format, just a slightly shorter selection of, of, of psalms and so on, but the same format. And then daytime prayer has a shortened form of that, is a shortened form of that, and night prayer an even shorter form of that, uh, as I mentioned. It really seems, Father Gallagher, that the, especially the, the makeup of morning prayer and with the canticle of Zechariah, that it helps us to go out and evangelize. It really, it's our way, at the end of a Mass when we go to church, they say, now go and love and serve the Lord. This morning prayer in the Liturgy of the Hours kind of helps recharge us, consoles us, strengthens us, and then sends us out. You know, Chris, you mentioned earlier how we might feel a certain way as the day is starting. If we were to pray on our own out of what we're feeling in our hearts, it would be a beautiful prayer just to lift up to the Lord the joy in my heart at what lies ahead today, the fear in my heart at what lies ahead today, the sorrow in my heart at what's going on in my life right now. That would be a beautiful prayer. But morning prayer from the Liturgy of the Hours amplifies that. And it reminds us of other things which are rich parts of prayer that we wouldn't think of on our own. And this is why the liturgy, and it's another reason why liturgical prayer has such power, because the church prepares the prayer for us, and the church is aware of all the different needs, all the different strands and thread in prayer. And so a, a morning prayer like this as the day starts will expand our awareness as the day begins. It doesn't, it, it includes, it richly incorporates the sorrow or joy or fear that's in my heart this morning, but it opens me up in a way that my personal prayer might struggle to do in the same way. And then what you just say so well now, Chris, also points out that if the Liturgy of the Hours is primarily a prayer of praise, it is also and always a prayer of intercession. So our, our, the primary thing we do is just love the Lord because he has created us into being and redeemed us. And that's true every minute of our lives. But then we bring our needs and the needs of the church and the world to the Lord. So yes, it, that, at that point, the prayer now looks very much outward. It sends us forth exactly uh, as you've said. You've been listening to Praying the Liturgy of the Hours with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our mission. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Praying the Liturgy of the Hours with Father Timothy Gallagher.